1: Friday, Pharrell's doling minutes on the mahogany, waxing her up, 100, 200 it's Pharrell on a bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out the bad seed, the broken seed, the bad apple, the bad attitude hanging around a bunch of bad, attitude, bad team, bad lie, bad do bad breath, bad attention bad vibes, we are live in the Pharrell of right across the river and through the woods from where Granny loves to puff on that sour D's on a Friday night and have a couple of shots of j would it in New York City, the Big Apple, ooh, people dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do, but all my friends that come around, fly to fly to party up, oh, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess, this town's a dad, my friends splattered all over Manhattan, do be shake it ooh, hey, what's gigging, it's Pharrell with Carver High tonight, and I just can't even believe what I'm uh, seeing, honestly. That I was just, I wasn't watching the game. All right. So let's just be clear. I turn it on. I was up 35 to nothing on Minnesota at Minnesota. And there's like a minute left in the game. Like, how do you not fire PJ Fleck for this game? I mean, Carver High, honest to God, uh, honest to God, how do you lose at home 35 to nothing when they're paying that guy that kind of money? I don't care who's on the team. <laughs> I don't care who your players are, coaches. I don't care what the weather is. I don't care if Jesus is at the game. You cannot get beat 35 to nothing at home by anybody. I don't care who it is. And and, and if you do, which he's about to, I'm starting to, if I'm the athletic director, I'm going, if I'm the president of the school, I'm going, what is going on? What is happening here? You can't even argue it. 35 nothing. I mean, you got to be kidding me. FAU's up 31-13 on Florida International. We'll talk on the bench tonight.
2: Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So cincinnati just scored again on east carolina they're up 41 10 and just rubbing it in just absolutely humiliating them and rubbing it in their face so i do you disagree with me that uh carver hyde about pj fleck who's supposed to be this you know great coach i've been hearing about him for the last three or four years that P.J. Well, Fleck is the future of college football. I mean, losing 35-zip at home to uh, Iowa to me is like, I mean, if I'm him, I give him my check back this month, honestly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's a bad one. Look, I, I can't defend tonight. Uh, you cannot, under any circumstances, get completely whacked by Iowa in your building national televised game on a Friday night. You just can't. You can't have it. Now, look. Uh, last year the team finished in the top 10. I know that was last year, but that's the first time since like the sixties Minnesota finished in the top 10. So this seems like, but that's the thing. This seems like a bit of a regression. And you know, this everybody in college athletics is getting a pass this year. No matter what nobody's getting, nobody's getting fired off of this. What's gone on this year and you know, not having players and games getting moved all, all this stuff. So, But there is something of concern here after how they finished last year and finishing the top 10 for them to now come out this year and think about this. They got destroyed by Michigan, who's looked awful in every other game at home in the first game. They lost at Maryland, a game that they had a 20 point lead in and they end up choking that lead away and losing at Maryland. They have now lost at home. They're getting destroyed, getting shut out by Iowa. And you know, that's, those are three pretty bad losses for, to start the year for P.J. Fleck.
1: I just don't. Oh, they scored. They just oh, scored there go. with uh, 10 seconds left in the game. It's 35-6. <laughs> so they that'll keep, keep his job now.
3: Keep his job.
1: <laughs> if you get shut out 35 nothing, you get fired. If you score with a, a, under a minute left, you, you keep your job. I mean, that is just unbelievable to me. Like, when I looked at it, I couldn't even believe my eyes when I saw the score. I was just like, but I got to tell you, like, was there anything more, uh, like unappealing than these three games tonight? I mean, yeah. honestly, it, it like, I, like I'm going to watch Florida Atlantic taking on Florida international and, uh, you know, Cincinnati, East Carolina is another bad game. It really is. Right. right. So, and then Iowa, Minnesota would have been the choice for me to watch. Yeah. Right. But it I didn't watch, and I'll tell you why I didn't watch. And then uh I, I turn it on and it's thirty-five nothing. It's thirty-five six now. So the reason I didn't watch was I got caught up in this uh uh this documentary on Danny Way, who was a uh skateboarder, right? He's another one of these guys uh from like Vista Cali. He's uh you know just a dangerous, crazy, like uh Back in the day, he did all these insane uh tricks, right? Like he jumped the Great Wall of China on a skateboard like 70 feet. Uh, he has the record for the highest vert jump ever, like 35 feet. He regularly would do uh vert ramps of, you know, 16 feet in the air, where that's off the vert ramp, going up sixteen feet above the vert ramp. 35 feet above a, a vert ramp at X Games and stuff like that. Like this guy was a lunatic, right? He did all this like evil Knievel type stuff. And uh, the jump over the uh, Great Wall of China was his big trick. And he also did this mega ramp that uh, he started building these mega ramps to, uh, you know, the, the vert ramp, the small vert ramps, it, it got so that everyone could do it, right? Like all these skateboarders started, you know, honing their craft on the vert ramp and they could all do these tricks and they could all like be like Tony Hawk and do all these crazy 540s and, and, you know, 720s and 900s. I, I, you know, I know Hawk landed the nine, but the bottom line is, is that um, this guy didn't want to like do that stuff. He wanted to like, you know, beat to his own drum and do uh, crazy things like, stuff that nobody had ever done before and i i kind of admire that i think it's pretty cool and i was watching this uh this film on uh danny way and it was uh, badass and i watched this other one about these two brothers from uh australia Taz and i think his brother's name was ben or something i don't even remember but i watched this story about these two brothers from uh you know Melbourne, Australia, that that basically took on skateboarding, took on Tony Hawk. Uh, you know, in the you know 80s and 90s, became the hottest you know top five skaters in the world. And then the story about these brothers, uh, they eventually uh, one of them, uh, the younger one, became a heroin addict, and he uh, he eventually. Uh, died uh but he you know he allegedly murdered his girlfriend and then they wanted him for murder and then he killed himself allegedly in uh in melbourne he like drowned himself he jumped in a in the uh bay or whatever and and drowned himself so they found both the bodies he had killed the allegedly the the girlfriend and then himself allegedly and then the bottom line was is that like she had uh, he had always done like blow and he had done, you know, pills and everything else. The guy was a, a pill fanatic and then he was doing blow a lot. His brother did a lot of blow, too. They showed it all about their careers that they blew all their money on drugs. And then the one uh, he ended up dead. And then the other one ended up when his brother died. The other one started, you know, going off the deep end and doing drugs. And then he ended up in jail. And he had his family taken from him, blah, blah, blah. And he did like three years of hard time federal and then got out and then uh, got remarried, had a kid and turned his life around and is, you know, successful again to this day as like a veteran old school skateboarding dude that uh, still does stuff and makes money and makes a living off skateboarding. But I watched these two uh, different documentaries tonight about uh, skateboarding uh, instead of watching crappy football games. Fair enough like sometimes well
3: if you, I just can't if you,
1: watch crappy football games
3: if you didn't get enough of Minnesota tonight uh, I've got bad news for you they're on again next Friday night against Purdue so uh two it Friday nights be allowed in a row. on television <laughs> two Friday nights in a row you get the golden Gophers uh, in the big big 10 Friday night game
1: <laughs> well I mean how can you bet on them again ever honestly after and tonight. they're home
3: again too they're home again next Friday night against Purdue
1: well, that obviously doesn't matter where they know, play the game. It's... I mean, they can play the game in hell. For that's all that's bizarre. I care. That they're,
3: they got back-to-back Friday night home games. That's pretty weird.
1: So did you ever find out who uh, is favored in that Cal-UCLA game on Sunday? I,
3: I can tell you that right now. Hold on. Is I that right? bring that up because for I you. Yes.
1: I couldn't find it.
3: Let's find out.
1: I looked on FanDuel earlier, and I couldn't find it. The Sunday game. All I saw was the Saturday game was canceled, and, and that was on the board like that it was postponed. So, yeah, I have there is idea.
3: still still no line for that still game. Still no line. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, why wouldn't they have a lineup? I don't. I don't understand. I, I would say in the you.
3: morning. I think in the morning they'll have the lineup. I, I think that they're probably um, crunching Figuring numbers. Yeah, because usually, you know, th- this came out of nowhere. Usually they know the schedule weeks in advance. They have, like, you know, those pre-numbers that they set. And they put those out immediately, like a week before. And then they adjust them as they go. So this game completely got sprung on everybody uh, in 48 hours. And honestly, great job by the Pac-12. We were saying this. I don't know why the Big Ten didn't do stuff like this. Like, you got two teams that aren't having COVID issues. Let them play games. I think that these teams should be in contact with BYU. And they should be playing them, especially these West Coast teams in the Pac-12. Um, you know, the, the, there's opportunities to play football here. So let's, so let's you playing like,
1: football. You like the fact that they, uh, th- the two teams that weren't affected by the COVID, Cal yes. and UCLA, uh, organized I, the ability to pull off this game.
3: I love it. I think it's a great job by them.
1: Right. And then everybody else, uh, like Ohio State, they can't get a game going and they cry about it.
3: But they want to play. There's just the Big Ten has not set up a situation like the Pac-12 did today.
1: Did you think I was crazy today when I was talking about them crying about everything? Not just uh, missing the game this week, but they've been crying long before the, the, the Big Ten canceled that season. We'll come back and talk to Michael Williams about the Masters. All right, all on the bench with you. Uh, so uh, we got Michael Williams uh, to join us to talk about the Masters. Of course, he's with uh, GolfWRX.com. He's been on the bench uh, for years talking golf with us uh, whenever it matters. And we like uh, the majors. We particularly like uh, the Masters. And I'm a huge freak for the Open Championship and Links Golf over in scotland or wherever the hell they play it every year uh but uh these are our two favorites and it's always good to have michael on the bench how you doing mike
4: i'm doing great my brother and um it was my birthday on wednesday i'm still feeling the glow even throughout the muck and mire of 2020 so i just want to say it's so happy to celebrate i do a month of celebration for my birthday so i am celebrating with you tonight my friend i like
1: that how old are you now
4: I am thirty-one years old. No, that's not true. I, I, am, I am fifty-nine, which is not, not a bad age and a really great golf score.
1: So I wish you know. that I was. Uh, I wish I was thirty-one. You know, uh, I played basketball today. I trained with this guy. He's fifty-nine. And uh, he's he's still got game, and uh, so do I, and it's amazing. He was uh, showing a a video today I saw on Facebook of these 80-year-old guys having this. It was an 80-year-old men's basketball tournament somewhere, and they showed all these guys (laughs) 80-plus playing basketball. It was a trip, but you got to give them credit. They were going up and down the court. They were chucking threes. They were passing the ball, setting screens. I was, like, watching it in awe. Uh, so here's to the old guys. Raise one up, Carver High. A cold, freshie for Michael Williams. I uh, had his birthday this week. It's a month long celebration. All right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Masters. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, first of all, uh, what the way I, I thought John Rahm was playing golf today, uh, with that you know five under through twelve, he's still got yeah. uh, some holes left. Uh, and the way he was playing, I mean, he really was standing out. I know that uh, Rory had a, a big six under today to get into the mix at, at three under or whatever. But Rahm uh, seems to be on a, on another level, the way he's playing all of a sudden.
4: Well, Rahm has that in him, you know. I mean, he's the guy who, for a minute there, was the number one ranked player in the world. That's been his goal since he got to America from Spain. Um, he's in that tradition. of of great Spanish golfers who have won the Masters. I mean, you start off with Seve Ballesteros, which goes on through Ole Sergio Garcia, and now you have John Rahm, who has learned something and picked up something from all of those guys' games, you know? Um, When he can keep his temper intact, you know, keep his composure together, he's really, really tough to beat. And it's that composure thing that kind of gets to him. And it's funny, because now, you know, you have the players mics up and, there's you no know, fan noise or anything like that, and you have all the shotgun mics out there, so you pick up every single profanity that he utters, you know? And I think that they're not doing the, the fining thing anymore because he pretty much would have spent his winner's check by now, you know, on like, you know, sort of the f he right. dropped, you know, when he made his little mistakes. But um, the guy has got game. He's got a bunch of holes to play. Again, his thing is to hold it together, you know, on the back nine on Sunday. Cause as the saying goes, you know, the tournament, the master starts at the back nine on Sundays. Let's see where he is and how he can hold it together. If he get
1: if he gets to that point. Did you see, like, cause I was on TV today on coast to coast on sports grid. And I said that when Disney uh, forced ESPN to uh, lay off and fire those 300 people this week, they must've fired all their good cameramen because uh, the camera work at the Masters by ESPN has been the worst I've ever seen in sports television history. I have never been so dizzy watching two days of golf in my life. Was there one shot at all in two days that they actually knew where the ball was going when they were filming? Because it was the worst I've ever you know, seen, and I mean it. It was terrible.
4: It's, it's, it's funny that you say that, You know, because I noticed it too. And I'm, I'm not quite sure whether it's because the number of cameras is, is more limited. Uh, now, if the the staff that they have in the truck is more limited, and they don't have as many people to track it, if there's some technology that's missing, I don't know the answer to that. But I I got the same feeling that you were feeling. But you know who it's worse for than us is the players, because they will tell you to a man, there are so many. If you're on that course, you'll see how big Augusta is. When you're what what strikes you when you're there is how big it is from front to back and side to side, and how much elevation there is. And the players didn't know until this year how much they rely. On fan reaction to know exactly where their ball was. You hit so many shots into greens that are so far above, you have no idea where your ball finished. No idea. So they're, they're just looking now and just saying, is it good? Is it not? I don't know. I've seen players go up to a cameraman on on a hole and say, uh, where'd my ball finish? Because you know they just don't know. Uh, we're all sort of you know it's a different thing. It's you know now the Masters is the fall classic instead of like the uh, the spring gem that it usually is. Uh, the weather's different. The uh, sunlight, sun goes down sooner. And this whole thing about not having the cameras and the tracking that we have, up, it's all part of it. But look, who would have thought that we'd even get to this point? And by the way, if it was like two weeks later, the way the trend is going with COVID-19, we probably wouldn't have the Masters at all. They probably would have shut it down. So I- I'm just happy that we're out there, right? You know, and, and have a ball to try to track.
1: Yeah. Well, how about when uh, uh had his ball plugged on number three and uh, like 20 people couldn't find it. And meanwhile, they're showing uh, the camera, they're showing the replay of where the ball landed. Meanwhile, they're looking, the whole 12 pack of people were looking 15 feet the wrong way. And it's amazing to me, like, how can you be on national television and not know where that ball is and and, and have 20 people looking for it? And I just think, uh, I, I'm not even wrong. They have butchered the Masters. The, the, the camera work has been a, an atrocity. That's all I have to say. So anyway, um, you know, w- what's the deal with him, by the way, uh, Deshambo, Because he's in all kinds of trouble, isn't he? Like, I don't know where he finished for the day. I know the, the cut. He's at plus one, but he's got – uh, what has he got? He's not, he finished 12 holes. He's got six holes left. It it doesn't look like he's going to do it unless he gets hot.
4: Uh, Well, so here's the thing with Bryson, you know. Bryson, to me, we've talked about this before, Scott. And Bryson, he won the U.S. Open, so you've got to give him his props, right? He did that thing at Wingfoot. So he's got something going on. But I still believe that he is a golfer who has a bunch of ideas about – he's committed to having a bunch of ideas about how to be a championship golfer rather than a commitment to being a championship golfer. Like I, I want to do, he's committed to doing it in a way that no one's ever done it before, you know, and, and, you know, cutting the corner on number 13 and hitting it to 124 yards out on a par five and that sort of thing, taking these obscene lines on the par fives and right. trying to drive 380 yard par he, he's, he's committed to doing that. So he, all that comes from swing speed. And when you make big swings, you make big mistakes. And I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I to me, it's much more of a joy to watch a guy who's sort of an artist. I probably watch a joy watching Tiger as much now as I did in 2000 because of the art, the craft of what he's doing now. That he's just carving these lines through the air, and you know it doesn't matter as they say. There's no pictures on the scorecard. It's just numbers, and you know, everything about Bryson just sort of bugs me. You know, I mean, if I had to play golf and look like that, I probably would take up bowling. I just wouldn't do it. You know, <laughs> like He can French with Right? I mean, it's like. It's like French for two dudes uh-huh. and one dude, too. You know, he he, he, just, he just looks kind of like, you know, awkward, uh-huh. you know. Um, but he's got to – he's prone to these big mistakes. He takes these big swings. He's going to be prone to these big mistakes. I, I feel like, like Augusta is unforgiving in a, in a way that he's not used to. And he's never done well at Augusta. He's not doing well now. He has the capability to make eagles where other people are trying to make cars. So he can still put it together. He's got his whole back nine to play. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I think he's probably going to make the cut, but um, with again, making putting these big numbers on the car right now, he has more penalty shots than he has um, than he has, than he has eagles. So that's not going to get it done.
1: Right. Well, I mean, he, he bogeyed three. Uh, I'm just looking at these scores today. Uh, he, no, uh, he had to triple on three, bogeyed four, bogeyed on. five, bogeyed seven, bogeyed ten, and then now he's got – his chances are on 13 and 15, he's got two par fives there. That's where he'll make up the stroke. He's at plus one. He's one off the cut. So I would think that he'll be able to get it done in these remaining holes, but I thought he was uh, disastrous today.
4: I, I totally think that he's going to get done and make the cut because as you say, he's got 13 and 15. And again, most people are looking well, maybe to get, they like to pick up a birdie there. I mean, he's a good chance for Eagle on, on, on both of those holes because of the length that he's generated now. But you know, that, that length, when it's, when it's decoupled from confidence, all you get is just, you know, it's, it's, it's chaos. You know, you, that all that speed when it's not governed by confidence, Anything can happen. That's what we saw in his front line. So if that's what he gets to 15, I mean, he could put, he could drop three balls in the water on 15. Cause he's that type of guy too. He can go into meltdown mode like nobody else. You know, I mean like white hot meltdown mode and honestly, God it's super fun to see, but you know, I'm not wishing that on the guy, but you know, that'll be easier for you to find and see on your TV than tracking a ball. You'll be able to notice that again, it's two dudes in a one dude suit. You can't miss it.
1: So, uh... Uh, obviously, uh, I got about a minute here and then we'll break and come back and talk more about uh, the leaders uh, in that pack. The four guys at nine under heading into yeah. uh, the end of the second round and into the third round on Saturday. We'll get into all that. But I just wanted to mention, like, so as far as uh, it's answer, Caleb Smith, Justin, Tom, Thomas and and DJ, uh, they're all at nine under. Can't lays at eight under with M. And Matsuyama, Rom, right there as well. So four at eight under, yep. and then the pack at seven is Willett, former champ, Fleetwood, Mac, Rose, right. Pan, and Louis Oosthazen. And then uh, after that, like the big names at six are Shoffley, Casey, uh, Reed, and then at five, Lefty, Kepka, Howell. So and then Ricky's at four in that group with Tiger Woods. And so uh, we'll talk about all that. I want to talk about the guys at the top and the guys within striking distance. We're talking to uh, Mike Williams, our good friend, about the Masters round three tomorrow in Augusta. All right, Pharrell on the bench with you. We're talking to Michael uh, Williams about the Masters and uh, everything that's going on at Augusta. Obviously, uh, a great leaderboard. You know, Ortiz won uh, in whatever, Houston, last week, the Mexican guy, first time he's won. And it was right. uh, huge for uh, Mexico. And then to see Abe Anser playing the way he is at the Masters, uh, atop the leaderboard with three big names, Uh, I don't think anybody knows Abraham Answer You and I both know who he is. We've seen his sweet swing, very easy, simple swing. He swings like my grandpa. You know, he's not trying to hit the ball far. He's trying to hit the ball straight and on the fairway and get, you know, up and down. And he's really good at it. He's got a clean game. Are you shocked to see him where he is? And I know most people give him no chance whatsoever over the weekend. How do you feel about him?
4: Well, Abraham answers like, if you remember a guy named Steve Stricker, you know, Steve Stricker was that guy who who fell into like a little lull, but when he came out of it, when he revived himself, he had this robotic swing, perfectly smooth. It was the same week after week after week, and when it was his week, he could win almost any place and it was almost like the harder the course the better he was because he was so predictable with his game you know it never went outside of too many uh uh, nobody had any any mood swings in his game that's Abraham answer so I'm not surprised to see him in it especially when the course is being as forgiving as it is I mean the course is very soft right now we have rain um a lot of rain the course is soft it hasn't had a chance to firm up like it typically does, you know, over a master's weekend. And sometimes like it is through the entire four days. So um, when you get a guy who hits a lot of greens, who hits a lot of fairways, yeah, I'm not surprised to see him in the lead. Whether he's there on Saturday and especially Sunday, as we keep talking about the background on Sunday, is not what's in his bag. It's what's in his hat. You know, it's going to be his mental game. And can he stand the pressure, especially when you have so many strong horses behind you, you know, who are going to be on that leaderboard probably making birdies, um, whether you can stand up to that is one thing, but no. To see him ahead on, on on a Friday second round of the Masters, absolutely not. He definitely has a game for that.
1: Tell me about your uh, article you wrote uh, going back to, uh, I, I think it was in September, you wrote this piece, Am I Wrong About uh, Charles Howell? What happened with Howell and the whole... Uh, story of the blackface comment about uh, Tiger Woods what uh, it certainly got a lot of attention on the uh, undefeated your article is a great article tell everybody about that story
4: yeah real quickly um so I was at the uh, U.S. Open in uh, 2019 and uh, I was invited to a small gathering where Charles was speaking and they asked him to tell a funny story because I mean the golfers still are introverts and don't really have funny stories so um, one of the, the guy who was interviewing sort of teed him up with a, uh, a story about how he had been at a, um, uh, Isleworth when Tiger had had his accident, which started all of his troubles. And he had told the story about how he would thought it'd be funny to sort of punk the reporters and went to, quote, put on a bunch of uh, dark stuff on my face and put on a curly wig, get into a Escalade with a blind and pretend to be Tiger. I was there when he did it, as I said, and I was livid. I was pissed. I I, um, didn't want to blow up the tournament and, and blow up his career. I told him in front of everybody that he could have ruined his whole fricking life, you know, with that one story. So the story that I wrote is about the redemption really of Charles. I'll let people read it, get it for themselves, but it's the fact that I wanted to give this guy, I didn't want to say that the moment was the man that what he did in that moment was everything that he was. So we worked through it. He worked through it with counseling, with faith, with good works, and he's in a different place now. And I can say proudly that the two of us are friends after what was a very um, a very awkward and very could have been a potentially very damaging moment. I hope it's a lesson for everybody about how, you know, on, on, on the golf course, we call it a mulligan. You know, in the church, we call it grace, but everybody needs it every once in a while. And it was extended to Charles, and he really made the most of it.
1: So he is actually playing really well right now at five under in the uh, Masters. Uh, that's that's a crazy story. Uh, I'll see if I can uh, repost it for you so people can uh, read it for themselves. Uh, so when you look at DJ and, and – I just uh, want to say he's
4: an Augusta guy. He's a guy who grew up in Augusta. Right. So, I mean, it would mean It would be like – if he wins this thing, it would be – if everybody remembers when Larry Mize won it, another Augusta guy, it would be like right. that. Believe me, if this guy wins turn tournament, you won't be able to get him to stop crying. It, it'll mean that much to
1: him. Be I happy. believe that. I believe that. All right, so uh, yeah. DJ yeah. and Thomas, the way they're uh, in that pack of wolves at nine under at the top of the leaderboard, <laughs> and these two guys are just ruthless. Uh, they're, you know, gigantic forces in golf these days, Thomas and, and Johnson, and it's amazing to me how... I mean, if you remember, like Jordan Spieth had that run where he was like the hottest commodity in golf, and now he it's almost like he barely matters anymore. It's the craziest thing. But Thomas has exploded and taken his place, and DJ's already got that name and that juice. Uh, Do you think it's going to come down to those two, or do you think it's going to be someone else that creeps into the scene?
4: Very likely it's going to come down to those two. I mean, the other guy who I have in the mix would be – from DJ and Thomas would be actually Patrick Cantley, who's right behind them, and, and Tiger, because I'd never count Tiger out of anything because I've just stopped doing that, right? Um, but Cantley has the game. He's currently ranked number 12 in the world. And I think there's something like three out of the last 10 winners of the Masters, some crazy number like that, who've been ranked number 12 in the world and gone on to win the Masters. So if you're a betting type of chappy maybe Cantley's a good one to put 100 on right now. But look, Thomas and DJ, those are two guys like, my my son is into gaming and he's gotten me into it. And when you get to the end of the game of any great video game, a fighting game, you get these this epic battle between these two like warriors that have it all. That's who those two guys are. They have it all. And it, it, it I I love uh, uh, Thomas's game. I love everything about it. He reminds me of he reminds me of Ron Guidry, just a little guy who's like a salty red ass guy. Who just can throw fastballs? He can uh, be guiling. He can be. He has touch. He has everything. And DJ, you know, he's just, you know, he's Maximus. He's Maximus in, in, in the rank. There's, there's, there's nothing that could overpower him. Love watching these two guys. If it came down to those two guys in the final pairing on Sunday, don't call me, okay? Because I'll be watching. I don't want to hear from anybody if it's comes down to those two.
1: Uh, Matsuyama I have to say I mentioned him today on the TV uh, show that he had the greatest golf outfit today of anyone I mean that red (laughs) outfit he had on and those shoes he was uh, sporting that matched the shirt like that I don't know if it was it was burgundy or if it was pink I don't know what it was. But, I mean, that was a badass look he he was rocking. Is he like a fashion guy? Is he going to come out and top that tomorrow and on Sunday? Because I thought that was the coolest looking golf outfit. I was noticing the guys, you know, the game has evolved so much with their shoes and stuff. I remember a time when I was golfing in Spikes. And you remember the sound walking through the parking lot of the golf spikes that always kind of turned me on. I just thought that was the greatest sound ever when guys were walking on cement with their spikes and, you know, click, 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 click. And then now guys are wearing like basketball shoes to golf. Like I golf in basketball shoes, believe it or not. And some of the foot joys I saw today are so badass with their colors and they look like, you know, running shoes and basketball shoes, low tops. Uh I just think like the fashion of the of the sport has gotten so cool and badass. It really is unbelievable. Matsuyama rocking it today. Rocking it Matsuyama was rocking it. You know,
4: he's he's dealing with the Japanese crowd. So he has he has sponsors that, um, you know, he, he he is teeing up, you know, with that gear and that sort of thing. And the Japanese do have a different type of flair. Personally, to me, it looked like he lost a bet, but that's just me. I, I, I didn't <laughs> do it. <laughs> you, know, got, you know, different strokes, as they say. Um, but I, I think Matsuyama, you know, uh, the, the, the thing that I love about him is his swing. I love that pause at the top of his swing. He gets to the top of his swing and it's just like – and then, bam, he goes for it. it. It's a very distinctive swing. And he is a guy who's also been number one ranked in the world for a minute, for a heartbeat. Um, his putting can get suspect. You know, his short game can sometimes get a little shaky, and that's what's going to eat anybody up at Augusta, especially on, you know, the, again, the back, not on Sunday. We keep saying that. Your short game has to be airtight, rock solid. Um, that hasn't necessarily been the case for him. His full swing is, is, is stellar. That um, the putter has to be hot. You know, the outfit, we'll see what he goes with on Saturday and Sunday. I, I, I bet you that, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be Payne Stewart crazy, but I bet he comes with some colors.
1: <laughs> so, hey, who's got a better <laughs> chance of uh, of stepping up uh, over the weekend of veterans in uh, Rose or Louie? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. You asked the best questions. That's so cool. So.
4: I have been around both of these guys and um, Justin Rose owes me money because it is a natural fact that every time Uh I have been on the golf course with, he does. I've been on the golf course when Justin Rose has won. I've been, when I've been there on Sunday of a tournament he's playing in, he has won. I told his caddy, he told him and I think, you know, I'm like, you know, caddy say, how about a little something for the effort? And I'm still waiting for my paycheck for that. I'm not Uh here this week. So I'm not sure I like his chances, but the guy, the harder the course, the better he plays. he has, he has that game. Um Louie, I played with Louie in South Africa two years ago. And he is maybe the nicest guy I've ever met. And that swing should be just it should be recorded for a lifetime. Here's here's how to swing. Just record it. Everybody wants to know, here's how you do it. Um had he been healthy, he'd probably have three majors. He has the second place grand slam for majors. I personally want to see him win. Those are two guys who have finished second. In, in the uh, 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 in the Masters. They both have runner-up finishes there. That green jacket means a lot to both of those guys. Louie doesn't show it. I think that if I was, if it was down to those two, I would say Rose. Because Louie, you know, you wonder, he's so committed to being relaxed. At some point, you have to get that fire. You know, you have to say, I'm going to take this from you and not wait for it to actually just sort of happen to you rose knows how to do that he knows how to go get it and make it happen that guy won the u.s open at marion okay when nobody else was under par so i know that he can do that so if i had to choose between those two with my head it'd be rose with my heart it would be usti it'd be shrek
1: hey i think it's uh i think it's great that uh it's on the masters that uh, you know i don't even care i said this on uh on this show last night and on tv yesterday and today that uh I don't care if it's April. I don't care if it's November. I don't care if it's February. The masters to me is so awesome. I don't even care. If there's fans not there. I, I just am so happy that it's on. I have to go to your boy. Mafia is getting married tomorrow, Michael. And, uh, so I'm, I'm in Mafia's wedding. I'm in the wedding. It's uh, tomorrow, so I'm gonna uh, secretly have my phone going. <laughs> I'm gonna have my, I'm gonna have the video going on my phone the whole day. Uh, it's uh, congratulations. I love you. Congratulations. Don't touch me. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna go in the corner and watch the golf all day at, at his wedding. But uh, listen, enjoy uh, the enjoy the Saturday and Sunday at the uh, Masters. Always great having you on the bench. You know, I love you. Congrats on that great piece in The Undefeated. I'm glad you woke him up to that, uh, being uncool. Uh, You know we'll catch up with you, brother. Uh, Much love and respect. Uh, All the best. Stay healthy, dude.
4: Thank you. Tell Mafia, I said, hey, I want some black people on that wall.
1: Yeah, you're telling me. I got you covered. I can't believe uh, Mafia didn't invite (laughs) Michael to the wedding. It's BS. All right, uh, there he is, Michael Williams. with us tonight on the bench. Always good to have him on from uh, GolfWRX.com and you can see a lot of his uh, great work there and uh, elsewhere, I'll try to get that article he wrote about uh, Howell out on uh, Twitter. We got uh, another hour to go and a little uh, change on top of that so we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into uh, tonight on the bench. All right, for Ellen the Bench, Cincinnati rubbing it in, 49-10 on East Carolina, a minute and a half and counting. The game's over, but uh Cincinnati will cover the 27 and a hook. So uh when you look at uh I know you're all over Justin Thomas. You think he's gonna win it?
3: I mean I'm obviously hoping that he is. I can't sit here definitively and say he's going to win it. I think there's way too many good players in the mix right now. Do I think he's played well enough over the first two rounds that he can win this tournament? Absolutely. But I think there's guys all the way down to minus five, minus four who can have one monster round and be right back in this thing. And, and you got to also remember, you still got guys out on the course who have five, six, or seven, or eight holes left to play in round two. I mean, Rom is at minus seven and he has holes to play, Scotty. He's at he eight. He could be the- he could be the leader uh you know he could pass thomas and dj before round 3
1: and if you if you think that could happen and let's say it does happen if he passes him and let's say let's say he ends up at, at 10 or 11 do you think he ever looks back or does he run away with it
3: i don't think that anybody runs away with it uh this weekend i think that there's too many guys bunched together um, I think that this is something that definitely Sunday, early Sunday afternoon, we're going to have multiple guys with a chance to win this thing on the back nine. It could be the, the superstars and maybe one or two um, of these unknown guys. Uh, but I think that you're going to have four to six guys in the mix back nine on Sunday. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, East Carolina scored here with 17 he seconds left. <laughs> but um they're still not going to cover
3: uh, i'll tell you Are i'll they... tell you one thing though that was important to some people i think